0: We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done.
1: If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address at goinglinks at gmail.com or leave a message at our voicemail at 1 904 468 7889.
0: Today's episode listener feedback. Hey, Bill. Hello, Larry. Welcome back. Thank you.
1: Internet problems, as usual.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so hopefully that's been resolved, or at least resolved enough that we can record here. Yes. Uh, I don't think
1: they want me to go fix their problem, because I'm going to take a sledgehammer.
0: (laughs) That'll fix it. Fix it for good, permanently. (laughs) This looks
1: like it can be hit. There,
0: works. Done. (laughs) Yeah, smack that transmitter.
1: Please uh, send a file in my cake when they send me to prison.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you know that might be a felony because it's broadcast radio or something. I don't know. Uh, whatever it comes under FCC rules. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, I need new. I need my my
1: last co-host is now in jail. Please, a uh, prison. Please send. <laughs> I'm doing auditions for new
0: ones. Yep.
1: Yeah. All <laughs> yeah. Right. That's not gonna
0: happen. That's not gonna happen, Bill. Nope.
1: It's going to work. I have faith. Well, about yes. as far as I can throw my car. Anyway, yeah, let's get this thing recorded before it decides to make a liar out of both of us.
0: Okay, let's do that. We'll start with uh, an email from Jeremy, who wrote about episode 335. Hi, guys. I know I'm kind of late to the party, but I try to listen when I can, which isn't as often as I would like to. A listener wrote in, Talking about backups that needed to be less archaic, I found a tremendous open source backup program that requires a little setup, but the usability is incredibly easy and fairly well documented. UR Backup is open source backup server with Linux, Windows, and macOS clients, to let you configure your backups from a web interface on the server and backup over LAN or that's local area network for those of you not familiar with it and or internet connection. The software works so well that I run an internet based instance that backs up several commercial clients. Uh, The one caveat being that it does not do image-based backups of Linux operating systems. However, it does do a file, incremental file, and image, and incremental image backups. When I say it requires a little bit of setup, it's not terribly difficult to set up. The Linux server and the documentation for compiling the Linux client is very well done. If you're downloading a client for a Windows or Mac PC, the server provides a pre configured executable. I feel like this is very underrated and little known software that is under active development and works phenomenally. Jeremy. Jeremy didn't provide a link for the show notes uh for this you are backup but we'll take a look and see if we can find it and include a link
1: the google knows everything
0: <laughs> exactly have you heard of this stuff uh, bill you i backup? haven't
1: i'm kind of interested to see yeah how it works though
0: okay well let me see if i can find it real quick here you are backup just uh yeah there it is It's er UrBackup. UrBackup. It's not U space R. Yeah, it's U-R-B-A-C-K-U-P. It is downloadable. I'm trying to figure out if it's open source. Yes, it is. Open source client server backup system. Okay, we'll have to take a look at that. And we'll have a link in the show notes. And if any of our going Linux minions have tried it out already, let us know.
1: All right. Our next email comes from Greg, who wrote, Hi again, Larry and Bill. After listening to episode 325 about nuke and pave versus rolling release, I noticed in the discussion about removing cruft that the the command line command sudo apt-get autoclean was not mentioned. I suggest you read the man page as it describes what clean and, in particular, autoclean does in getting rid of archived cruft. From the command line, type, minus the quotation marks, man app get grep-7 auto-clean. That should filter it down to essential information. There's a lot in that particular man page, 73 Greg. I've heard of auto-clean, but it didn't come into mind when we were talking about that.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I pulled up the man page as you were reading his email and it says AutoClean and the AutoClean alias since version 1.1. Like clean, AutoClean clears out the local repository of retrieved package files. The difference is that it only removes package files that can no longer be downloaded and are largely useless. This allows a cache to be maintained over a long period without it growing out of control. The configuration option apt clean dash installed will prevent installed packages from being erased if it is set to off. Hmm. Okay. So there you go. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, thanks Greg. And Greg provided some additional feedback. Hi Larry and Bill. I just listened to Going Linux episode 324 listener feedback. Yeah, I'm a little behind. I was amused by the specifications to run Ubuntu on a quote, old machine as old as five years old. Oh wow. A minimum of nine to 16 gigabytes of drive space and one gigabyte of RAM. I've just scrapped out a computer that I took out of service a couple of years ago but it still works fine it had a bios update of 1998 a 350 megahertz pentium 2 cpu 320 megabytes of ram and a 10 gigabyte hard drive it rang Crunchbang linux now bunsen labs linux i used it in my workshop to play music from my home network server or something online like pandora it didn't have the horsepower to view any videos but was suitable for some web browsing or email. With no graphics processor, every time Pandora would blast out another commercial image, the music would stop momentarily as the CPU ran at 100% trying to process the changing video image. An ad blocker plug-in for Firefox helped a lot, but mostly the music came from my local network collection. It got replaced by a 550 MHz AMD K7 CPU-based computer with 512 megabytes of RAM that was only a couple of years newer. It worked better, but I've scrapped it too after replacing it with still another, quote, old computer. I have a plethora of old or cast-off defenestrated machines defenestrated for the uninitiated is having windows removed right i don't think any of them are newer than five years old a half dozen or so of them get regular use and a couple more are also kept updated and get occasional use True, I'm not a gamer, and I don't need high-power, high-cost video cards. So these older machines serve me admirably. What do I do with all these old Linux machines? NFS server, mostly music, podcasts, but some other important file redundancy also. Myth TV backend. NAS, network-attached storage running FreeBSD-based NAS for free instead of Linux. General-purpose office computer and entertainment. Uh, multimedia computer in the family room, workshop computer, ham shack computer, general purpose laptop, wife's office slash guest room computer. Open source computing is the way to go. No viruses, no malware, and very secure with quick and easy patches and updates, unlimited, inexpensive, fun. Regards, Greg. And I think we should have made that a uh, Gone Linux story. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, I
1: agree. All right. Sounds like he's using uh, old computers to get everything done.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he's got (laughs) quite a few of them.
1: All right. Our next email comes from Scott, who wrote about episode 337 and FS Lint. He writes, great show, guys. First off, FS Lint, love it and hate it. The GUI hasn't been updated in a while, so there are a few non-obvious things going on. I have recently moved my life off of multiple Windows machines onto a single Linux Mint Cinnamon machine and realized that I had tons of duplicates of pictures and music landing in my home folder. Oh, Since they weren't landing in a flat folder, I couldn't easily match them all up. To start the ball rolling on FSLint is easy enough. Add and remove the corresponding search path at the top, then hit Find at the bottom left. It will it will start scanning the tree, matching files on hash, and and not just the names. The window fills up, and then what? Turns out the Select button is actually a menu, and then it's not obvious, and will let you. Select all but one of each file, uh, match to prepare to delete it. The delete button will promise to do something, but if the f- list of files is too large, I've I've had several thousand. Oh, wow, mm. it will do nothing at all. I finally exported, hit save, the list of deletion candidates to a text file, then found a command line using xargs and rm-r to to delete from the list via stdin. However, this command is sensitive to spaces and quotes, so I ended up editing the text file and using the find replace to escape them before the mass scary deletion worked. (laughs) A later pass with a smaller directory tree and if, and fewer hits allowed FSLint's own deletion to work. There's some soft limit somewhere where it, where it gives up. It feels unfinished, but it sort of did the job. Second, I know the topic of backups has come up and gone a few times, but I wanted to add a vote for Borg Backup. This successor slash fork to attic has me hooked. Following up from my last message I have given made a try, but the menu action was killing me, so I went with cinnamon. So I exported my home folder using tar, wiped installed installment, then restored home. There had to be a better way, and I stumbled across Borg Backup. Truly awesome. This quasi-time machine sort of thing backs up everything up as compressed hashes then subsequent backs up just compare hashes. If you rename or remove a file, it doesn't change the archive size. It will also only back up the parts of the files that have changed, such as virtual disk images. My hundred sixty gigabyte home folder backs up on a cron job every hour and deletes old archives. The whole thing happens in under five seconds on a USB two backup. You can even delete any backup points. Oh, you can also mount the backup archive under Fuse and go back in time to any point and retrieve the files. Do I sound like a commercial? This is awesome. If someone makes a good GUI for it and hooks it into Cron, it'd win. Final note, my brother and his wife have an all-in-one there had for several year, years with an AMD Duran and 2GB of RAM. At, this, at some point, Windows 10 came along for free and usability went to zero.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the CPU remained uh, pinned all the time. I haven't moved their their life off of it yet, but I gave them a spare Dell laptop I had, put Ubuntu Mate on it, added your new book, and wrapped it all up, making new list converts a little at a time. Scott, K-A-9-Y-W-O. Wow. Thanks, Scott.
0: Uh, yeah, thanks. And uh, thanks for including a copy of my book on their installation. That's great. If, <laughs> shameless plug can, inserted. Yeah, shameless plug, yes. Of course, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that, uh, that all in one computer sounds like a perfect match for, uh, Linux installation as well. So while I'm sure while they're using your Dell laptop that you've loaned them, you're going to be putting Ubuntu Mate on their, uh, on their, and they're all in one for them so that they can actually use it. Yeah. That free windows 10 upgrade. (laughs) Yeah. That wasn't really free. See see how that free goes for you. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why a lot of people switch from uh, Windows to uh, Linux. Is that uh, so? <laughs> Scott, thanks. That, that was great. Uh, that was a great story as well. Thanks. All right. Uh, our next email is from Serge. He has a suggestion for Chris about configuration management. Hello, I would recommend Webmin which has a gazillion modules to manage a system and the configuration files. Here is the link, and we'll include that in the show notes. Of course, best regards, Serge. Thanks, Serge. Wow. A gazillion. Gazillion. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I think. (laughs) Yeah, I've used Webmin as well on some, um, I forget what it was. I think it was on... Uh, web server of some sort and webmin is one of the very popular uh, graphical user interface uh, browser based interfaces for for servers so yeah good uh, good suggestion there and uh, we'll include a link in the show notes of course
1: our next email comes from daniel and daniel is curious about our skype replacement hello larry and all oh wow i didn't even get a mention in that one
0: well, I'm you're kidding. in that. You're oh, in that. It's, okay. It's not, it's not y'all, part. but yeah, it's all. Yeah, it's, <laughs> all the minions, including Bill <laughs> and the co-host and everyone He writes,
1: else. hello, Larry and all. What program and links are you using to talk back and forth on? Here's a reason not to use Skype again. And it includes a link uh, from 9to5Mac. And we'll include the link into in the show notes. But mm-hmm. uh, it's called Discord. And uh, it seems to work pretty good. It, it's not perfect, but it's it's as good or as uh, Skype uh, in its uh, uses some open source codecs. It's not an open source program, but it does use uh, open source codecs, and it seems to work pretty well.
0: Mm-hmm. Has yeah, everything we need. Yeah, definitely. And uh, as long as the internet is working, it's working. So <laughs> we, know, we know how wonderful a time you've been having with your internet. So uh, yeah, yes. Discord works. And uh, maybe we should include a link to it in the show notes as well. All right. Um, yeah. By the way, that 9to5Mac uh, article talks about a bug in Skype. And hopefully, although it says the art- in the article that Microsoft seems too lazy to fix it, uh, hopefully they've got it, uh, fixed by now, but this article is from February of 2018. So it's a pretty recent, recent yeah. article. So we'll a see. bug
1: in Skype, really? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? So, color me surprised. <laughs> Not.
0: <laughs> George, also known as George in Tulsa, wrote about using a Synology and the setup, uh, Lucky me, George wrote. When I was trying to puzzle out why the Synologies at work did fine with Macs, I wanted to retire, but not the new Linux machines, I stumbled onto a very useful setup guide that was free on Kindle Unlimited. Well, I subscribed to Kindle Unlimited anyway. I'm pretty sure this is the same book, Synology NAS setup guide based on DSM 6.1 Kindle edition by the author Nick Rushton. All right, we'll see if we can find a link to that. Oh, he provides a link to that. What a guy. Thank you, George. <laughs> Not free anymore. Then Synology is much more popular. The guide is well worth the $8.99 price, since, especially to someone like me who is faced with a myriad of possible conflicting setup elections clicks and no real idea of what the cryptic phrases describing the option mean the main trick in my case was authorizing nfs access for linux and he provides a link to an article that describes that you do know synology is a linux device right i elected ext4 to format our drives during the setup here is a link to the Synology Router Manager Overview. Even offers parental controls, something we've talked about on the podcast. Synology offers video tutorials for SRM and they seem also to be available on YouTube. So, George, thanks. That sounds like a fantastic uh, list of links and possibilities here for people who are looking for some way of backing things up to a network-attached storage and using Linux technology to do it. That's great. Thanks. Yeah,
1: thank you. All right, our next email comes from Nigel, and he asks about installing Linux applications. Hi, Larry and Bill. The repositories of the major distributions can usually supply all the software most users need. However, if you particularly want the latest version, you can often only get it from the developer's website. If you are lucky, there will be a DEB or RPM package, which can be downloaded and installed with with a few clicks of the mouse. But sometimes there is only a tar.gz file or a tar.bz2 file. I don't have a clue how to install an application from one of these, and I suspect I am not alone. Can I suggest you cover these installation types in a future show? Thanks, Nigel. I think we hmm. might be able to oblige <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Mostly the uh, packages that come as tar.gz files or tar.bz2 files, which are the equivalent of zip compressed files on Windows, you know, Mm -hmm. that end in .zip. Um, But the tar file format is kind of uh it's it's not unique to linux it's also available on mac but it's it's more common on linux than it than zips are Uh, but it's the same technology uh, compressing files so usually um, you just double click on the file and it opens up and gives you the folders or whatever files are included in that compressed archive and one of them will be installation instructions because what they're going to have you do is typically either copy files to a folder and run them from there or compile the software and they will give you typically all of the commands in that help or readme file that you can walk through and do the installation from there Uh, the tar format for distributing software is very popular for those people who are providing you with source code that is to be compiled. So uh, if you don't want to wait for us to cover it, you might want to just open them up and in Linux, you just double click them and they'll open up in the file archiver, uh, the archive manager, whatever it's called for your distribution. And you'll be able to read, uh, look for the README file right there. Yep.
1: It should be fairly simple. It's, I know when you hear compile, you think it's scary, but it's pretty simple. Usually, like four four steps.
0: Yeah, if they're going to provide you with this stuff, they're going to provide yeah. you instru- instructions as well. Yep. So, so I think, Bill, uh, that's it for our feedback this time around, and All right. uh, that that wraps up our episode. Unless you have uh, something you'd like to talk about in addition, like uh, an application pick or anything like that.
1: No, I, I will say as a teaser that I'm working on a project, and you might be hearing about it soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that would include an application pick, a distribution pick, a, maybe yes. even some hardware pick. <laughs> yes, so, so I'm working we'll on something right goes. now.
1: It's a little too early to talk about it, but uh, – uh, Larry and myself are going to be working on a little project, and uh, if it works out like we hope it will, you'll be hearing about it. And there's probably going to be a couple shows based on it, so stay tuned.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. And if you never hear about it again, it, you know it just Didn't kind of work. blew up in flames. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Plausible deniability.
0: Yes, we won't even tell you what it's about. So nope. uh, stay tuned, <laughs> and like I said, if you never hear from us again about it, then... You know what happened. (laughs) I blew it or broke it. Yeah, one or the other. Or both. (laughs) Anyway. Wow. So, yeah, there you go. And that's it for our episodes for today. Our next episode, again, will be a surprise. Uh, And we'll we'll cover what that is next time.
1: Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe.
0: We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done.
1: If you like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast Google Plus community.
0: Until next time, thanks for listening. 73.